Welcome here, I'm Mel Sienna Madgwick. Through the miracles of Mother Mary, the heart of Venus, soul of Sophia, the magic of Mother Isis, and the holy grail of Mary Magdalene, we journey deep into the stars and the cosmos, into the ethereal realms of the heavens with the angels, where we are met by a greater wisdom, that of the mysteries of the Divine Mother and the temples of women who are empowered to use the gifts of the veil. Here we bring you a sacred home of love, soul, miracles, and magic. Hello, Jerome. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast today to talk about your spiritual journey and share your deep interest in Shungite crystals, the ancient art of sacred sound, and your connection with Ascended Master Chung Fu. Welcome to the podcast. Can you share a little bit about yourself and the spiritual work you offer? Thank you, Rose Mother. It's so beautiful to be on with you today. It's a real honor. I'm from Avalon, Glastonbury, otherwise known as the Ancient Isle of Avalon. And my bio, in short, is I help you dissolve pain using Shungite crystals and the power of your own sacred sound. And I've been working with a big family my whole life. And so what I teach is how to, in a sense, do the same, because I can say it hasn't been easy. And there's been many struggles I've risen out of and into what you might call the joy or the light. So, yeah, that's what I do. Beautiful. I would say actually that you're probably in the minority of people that I've met who've grown up in a a more spiritual environment. So I think it's really beautiful that we've got you here to tell your story. Yeah, I'm really interested for you to share where your spiritual journey started and how you were called into the spiritual work you offer today. My father gave me my first crystal when I was 17, no, hang on, I was a bit younger. I was about 14, 15. No, I had my first session with my teacher at 17. That's what it is. My father gave me my first crystal. I think it started there. And my family were, let's just say, in the 80s, it, it wasn't normal. Crystals, people didn't know My family was called the Crystal Family because people didn't know about crystals. And so that was really my father. My mum too, but my mum's stroke of genius was a different area. So yes, it started with my father giving me my first crystal, which was a clear quartz that actually looked like a little person playing the guitar or the bass. It was quite funny, actually. So, yes, it sort of it hinted. As soon as he handed it to me, it hinted of somebody playing music. So it was yeah. like an activation. Yeah, it, it opened up. I think it was my dad's way of bonding with me and saying, I want you to have this gift. And he told me how special it was, but he didn't, he didn't go too far with it. He just wanted me 
to receive the gift in the way that I could understand it for myself. That's where it started. I always say with all these questions, when people ask me, I always say, but wait, there's more. Because, you know, I could talk about that for several hours, but I'll stop there. And it's similar for me too. My grandmother loved crystals and uh, she was the female mother in my life. And she actually had crystals that would sit in a place where we couldn't touch them because they were over on the other side of a winding steel staircase. So nobody could actually reach them, but she always said, if something happens to me, you can have these crystals. Well, I guess it's sort of similar, isn't it? Because they're not telling the story, but the presence is there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm nearly the same, but I do let, I, I'm not like precious about. So for example, about several years ago, I got this piece here. This is 24 karat tanzanite. If I shone a torch through it, it would blow your mind. The colors are off, off the scale. Deep mm. blues, violets, purples. Uh, it's extraordinary. You might think that's too expensive for you, for you to allow other people to touch. What if they drop it? But I don't look at it like that because it's not really mine. It's Mother Earth's. Mm. It's coming to my possession for me to work with it and to assist inner works Mm. but yes okay my inner child would say no you spent seven thousand pounds on that that's yours mate but actually it's not mine it's borrowed Mm -hmm. you know one day when i when i'm gone it will go back into the earth and it will carry on growing so that's extraordinary isn't it (laughs) but yeah i don't look at it like you know some people are like don't touch my crystal and you're like oh sorry I, I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting with crystals. I mean, I do have certain crystals which just by definition you can't touch them because they're they're not they're not visible or accessible. But I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that brought up for me like a couple of weeks ago I had my two little nieces stay over. And they stayed in my bedroom and I called it the crystal room because I have a lot of crystals. (laughs) And the funniest thing was they took the crystals out into the lounge room that they, that they loved. And they also took those home. (laughs) So so they now have a very big collection of crystals (laughs) and I'm pretty sure they'll want to come back to Annie Mel's house very soon. (laughs) That happens with my Shungai all the time, by the way, but that's, that's all right. If they wander off with a piece of that, as long as it's grade two, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> if it's grade one, I'm after. The, I'm coming after their pocket money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they mostly get it. They mostly get it for free. But yeah, yeah, that's that's another subject. The kids normally just run off with whatever they want, and you've just got to go. Okay, they've got a free crystal. <laughs> <laughs> So often you work with your mum, Sally, who is a deep trans medium and a priestess. Can you share some of the work you've been creating together of late and perhaps what it is like to work so closely with your mum? Absolutely. It's a lot. So 
I will. You just said some, so I'm I'm going to stick with some because there's there's hundreds of releases. Like it's it's a big it's a big work. So it started really. There's lots of avenues and different pathways of how that work has been created. So I'll go with I'll start with the music, and I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Um, a bit of context rather than just starting in a way further down the track. So if I go back a bit, before serious school kind of started in that sense, my mother said, you need to pick an instrument to study because it's going to help you develop your brain and sacred mathematics and all of that is involved with when you study an instrument, you're, you're involving a different part of your brain. So I picked the cello. Well, first I picked the violin, but I was like, that's not for me. I then picked the cello, and then I began to play that. And you call it whining, because, you know, you try and play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star at six years old, and it just sounds absolutely terrible. But anyway, I persevered. I had to. Mum was like, you have to keep going. So I was getting private tuition from a local lady in the next village called Helen Lunt. And eventually I reached a pretty decent level. I then persevered. I was in the local chamber orchestra and I eventually reached lead rank and I had 10 cellos behind me that I was leading at the age of 15. I was playing to hundreds of people on stage, on the cello. But something opened in me where I realized, although I love this kind of music, but there is a beauty in it, it wasn't feeding my soul. It wasn't really totally doing it for me. It wasn't a complete recipe. So I began to expand and I said, now I want to learn double bass. So I began to study jazz, classics, walking bass, and I began to take my studies further into that world. And then I thought, after a long time, this is after like starting a jazz band and everything, I was like, this is lovely, but it's still not doing it for me. So I then started to learn kind of almost at the same time, whilst I was still into the jazz, I bought a fretless bass because all these instruments, they have no frets. They're fretless. So I bought a, a beautiful fretless bass and started to study fusion jazz um, with funk, really. It was funk, sort of funk jazz fusion, experimental and improv. And I had two little buddies, Jason and Sharma. Sharma was the, the piano player. Jason was the drummer. And we would start to write our own stuff, and that's when a new band formed called Or Jazz Mix, original Jazz Mix after that um, acronym. And then I thought, well, this is really lovely, but I'm just still not there. So then I began to, we call it sampling or chopping up. So I began to record my own strings on the cello and resample them. And I began to, now branch into production, making hip-hop beats and 70s 
sampling things and, and experimenting. I was just all about experimenting and and expanding into what I now call the the sound, the sound, the sound that opens me up, makes me feel that I am actually connected big time. So that opened up that road and I was terrible at it at first, producing and making things. It all sounded terrible. And then I pushed further. And that's what led me into having a part in our brother's band called House of Commoners. It's a play on words, meaning it's music for the common people. It's music to uplift the spirit and uplift the soul. So conscious rap, hip-hop, basically. We had that band for 10 years running, then COVID came along and it killed it because we couldn't play. So that band, unfortunately, very sadly, it it did die with that. Um, It reformed under a different name. But my brother and I, my brother was the lead MC. He's the most incredible writer of lyrics. I mean, the kind of lyrics, when you hear them, you're just not the same after you hear them. They are... They are next level. They're, they're beautiful. They're vivid. So, yeah, my brother and I work together in, in that world. But if I backtrack a bit, in '09, after going to Argentina with my mother for the first ever opening of a branch of Goddess Temple out there, I was invited out by Kathy Jones, who co-founded the Goddess Temple here in Glastonbury alongside my mother. I was invited with my mum to go out and perform some sacred music that I was composing for the goddess. I will talk about that in a minute. But I want to start with the story because in 09, I had a, a really serious accident, which completely basically ended my career as a cellist. So I was, I was very, very sort of pretty high level. Everybody was after my cello for their songs, for their albums, for their music. And then in 09, I was washing up in the sink on Boxing Day. I picked up a glass bowl, turned around to put it on the side, and it smashed in my hand and it nearly locked my finger off. And this was the first finger of my left hand. And if you look on the screen there, although everyone's listening audio only, I'm just showing the Rose Mother here. There is a massive scar on my left finger and my left hand. Mm-hmm. And that is a big chop on um, basically each finger of your hands. Each finger has its own chakra system. So there's seven chakras on each finger and there's seven chakras in the hand. So I was chopped right on the root chakra of the left finger on my left hand, which is also called your Jupiter finger which is very interesting because later I'm going to talk about Shungite. And this crystal Shungite comes from Jupiter. So I, I, I looked down and my finger was hanging off my hand and I could see about an inch of my skeleton. And I can't tell you how I freaked the F out. I mean, I seriously freaked out. And not only that, whilst freaking out, seeing... Well, it was like a horror show because there was there was blood all up the walls. There was blood everywhere, and I I just I was just like right. Well, get a hold of yourself, buddy. Grab a tea towel, 
Well, actually, my sister-in-law grabbed the tea towel because she was also in the kitchen, wrapped up my finger, went down to hospital, and they were like, sorry, buddy, there's no hand specialist here. You're going to have to go to the, the next city an hour away. So we drove there, French, eh? And they were like, really sorry, but the, uh, the hand specialist of the southwest of England, which is like, there's only two hand specialists in England, they're on holiday. And I was like, right, so you can't help me then, basically. No, we can't help you. Have some butterfly stitches. I was like, great. They then sent me home. And I was in bed, basically. I lacked knowledge. I think the thing about this show right now is I hope that what I'm saying to your listeners, that they get to learn some things I've figured out. So here's one takeaway that I hope, a very serious takeaway, which is knowledge is everything. I lacked the knowledge that if I'd have told them one special little phrase, this finger is my livelihood. This finger lets me play cello. That's my life. That's my career. You have to call them by law. You have to get them here now to work on me right now. I could have done that, but I lacked that knowledge. I didn't know that. So, hey, that wasn't the plan for me, though, was it? My guides were like, no, Jerome, we have a different road for you, my friend. So they sent me home, and I was in bed for five days and five nights. And by the end of it, every day, I was in absolute agony. And I was looking at my finger and I saw the black creep up. By the end, the black was all the way to the tip of my finger. And I thought, holy Jesus, they're just going to take my finger. Anyway, they didn't take it. I did go to hospital and I was in the operating theater for seven hours, 45 minutes, all anesthetic. When I came to I was a lucky boy. They did fix my finger, but I lost a whole inch of my tendon because the tendon retreated right into my hand. So they had to open up my hand and pull the tendon up to join it together. When I woke up, I was, I'd never in my life felt the kind of pain that I was feeling. It was just, there's no words for it. It was, it was out of this world agony. You know, I said, give me morphine. Just just give me a lot. Just keep giving it to me. It didn't really help, to be honest with you, because what was happening was the electricity was flashing down to the end of all of the nerves, tendons, pulley tendons, arteries, and trying to spark and make contact with the freshly joined together on the other side. And... It can only be described as sparks of fire or lightning, but on a macro level, like if I was to blow up and go inside my own body, if, if my body was like a mountain and I went inside it, it would just be like these thunderbolts. You know, so I was in a, a real deep situation. Suddenly I was like, not playing cello, not living my best life. My dad would always call me Beamer Boy. Everyone would, you know, I was just different. Ten brothers and sisters, and in all the pics, 
I'm kind of the one smiling mostly. But then coming from that to, right, my life is over. I mean, my life is just over. I'm not playing cello. I'm not playing bass. But I've always been known as somebody to take the advantage from a bad situation. So what I did, I bought a mic because I was producing. Because the melody, even though I was in pain, I never stopped having melody pouring through. And so I started singing. So what I'm trying to say here is no matter the rock and the hard place you feel you're trapped in, there's always a way out of it. And I can tell you straight, I made damn sure that I found a way out of that hell because I was in it. I call it the pits or I call it rock bottom. Um, But what was it really? Just to finish off that little backstory, which leads to your original question of how I started working with my mother. What came first? The music came first. And my guide said, it's all lovely what you're doing, is it? but you know, you have no idea what's coming for you in the future, mate. All right. Meaning in the world, meaning the battle that we are in right now, a battle of mind, a battle of frequency. So they wanted to throw me. They just grabbed me and threw me down into the pits where the Balrog was waiting for me. But I did, I did defeat the Balrog. The Balrog was me or my own inner darkness, or the dark matter, or the black gold. So I have discovered a way of speaking about these places. Because my main interest is how quickly can we come out of these deep places and into the light. Because there's no time to lose to enjoy our best life. So that leads to Kathy Jones asking me, she realized I could make music for meditation. She said, Jerome, would you make the opening ceremony soundtrack for the 2012 Sacred Womb Goddess Conference? And if your listeners don't know, the Glastonbury Goddess Conference is the biggest conference in the world where teachers of the goddess come from all over the world, from every kind of culture you can imagine, to teach deep, mystical, magical, powerful ways about the goddess and about how a divine woman can empower herself. Because that's what's happening in this life. Goddess Isis is coming in to say, this is all mine and I'm taking control now. It's now time for the goddess to rise So I'll talk about that later because I've got a very exciting announcement for you and for your listeners about that. But that's where it started. Kathy Jones and my mum co-founded the Glastonbury Goddess Temple here, which has been running 25 years. And so I started making, it came full cycle from classical music to jazz to hip-hop, dubstep, drum and bass, funk and soul and all the rest of it, all the way in to sacred music for goddess. And so it's, it's interesting because it's not, it's not that normal. I mean, I don't know many men around here that say, oh, I make music for the goddess. <laughs> there are, but I don't know many, you know, 
So that's where it started. And, and my mother and I did work together on that first piece. So sorry about the long answer, but I had to give you a bit of backstory as to how, because you don't just start making music for goddess without any depth and out, uh, without any, any pain. It just it, it isn't a thing. To give you context, a mother gives birth and it's blood and gore, it's, it's pain, it's blood, sweat and tears, it's agony. It's like, holy God, you know, most men will just run from that birthing chamber. I can't handle this, I'm out of here. In my view, good music, it does come from somebody who knows deep struggle and has found their way out of it and has cleared out their heart center. Why? So that the heart center is a very real open channel vessel for the high cosmic sound of any being, goddess Isis, Kuan Yin, White Tara, Yeshua, Mary Magdalena, Mother Mary, Sekhmet, Hathor, the list goes on, Shiva, Ganesha, Saraswati, the deities of the Shungite stone. I mean, the list is, is nearly endless. Archangel Raziel. I've got some Archangel Raziel frequencies coming for you very soon. But that's the thing is you can't do that if you don't know how to get access to the dark matter within you and realize that if you don't move that stuff, because it's not all bad, so people have a mindset and they say, oh, that's terrible, must get rid of it. So that's what I basically teach. And that's, it did come from the pain of nearly losing my finger. It taught me. Well, thank you, firstly, for sharing such a deep, deep story. You know, I think it takes a lot to be able to share your voice like that and to be able to share your heart like that. I know not all people can, so... I really appreciate um, everything that you have shared and um, I know for sure, like even when I was listening to it, I was referred back to my own dark night of the soul, which is what I call it. And I thought, you know what, you went so deep then. I don't know if I, if I could express what I went through in such a deep way. So thank you very much for sharing that. Well, I'd love to hear it. Would you would you care to tell me a little bit? Well, it's a long. It, it is a. <laughs> it is a long story. I can tell you a little bit. So I would say that my uh, my first dark night of the soul was at age eleven um, when my sister was in a tragic accident, and that was right. I think it was the weekend before I was supposed to start high school. And unfortunately, she passed, she had passed away uh, already a couple of days before that. So that was, I think, my initiation and a big initiation to go through at 11 years old. I think the biggest part about it was the aftermath. So I think uh, when you're a child, you don't have the capacity to express grief as well. I think sometimes what our 
guides do is they kind of shut us down emotionally so that we don't have to feel the pain of that. Later, I did get to feel the pain, you know, the full-fledging pain of that. But uh, having to move through that loss and having to, going back that far ago, they just did not have the tools to be able to help children move through grief. So I would probably say, like, just to get really deep here, it probably wasn't the best idea to, for example, have a young child's in a room with their sister who had just passed away uh, in a coffin, in a small coffin, which was open and having to sit there for hours at a time, just sitting there, having to process that. So sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry that you, you know, that's really powerful, <laughs> very deep. So, I mean, there's so much to else to the story, but we are here to hear about your story today. But I thank you for helping well, me. I would just like to say to you, my mother who channels Chung Fu and in the words of my father, he believes my mother is top three in the world for deep trance mediumship. That he always says to me, Chung Fu always says, you know, loss is the biggest heart opener. Yes, indeed. It's beyond any words in the English dictionary of tragedy. It's beyond any words you can describe. But what he always says is that every challenge, as hard and as horrible as they are, that pain, and this is always some of the hardest teaching to receive from ascended beings, is that our souls choose a myriad of pathways for very certain you know, reasons. Now, I'm not saying that our choose, our souls choose to experience like sometimes something like that by choice, but that things happen that are very, very difficult so that our soul can grow, can grow to the next position of expansion and now then draw in a vast light into the biggest chakra of our beings, which is the heart chakra. Three above, three below. And he always says the heart chakra is the richest place in the universe. And so when we experience loss, the hardship of it is it, it pushes us deeper. The higher self is found in the depths. And so... My heart goes out to you, sister, and I'm so sorry for that loss that you've experienced. Your heart, I know. I mean, I've, I've felt you online. I've thought, goodness me, that sister has a deep heart. What a special lady. So you have found a way deep in, and you are bringing in even more light. But I like to say that phrase in Lord of the Rings, Ah, Pippin, but it's just the beginning. And so we're in this dimensionality. Who knows, your sister might be right here with you right now, working with you. Because sometimes beings have a, a different missions and different ways of accessing this realm. 
but nonetheless, it is deeply moving, and my heart goes out to you. And I think it's not by chance that we're having this chat together, because this is the work that I do. People come to me who, just the other day, I I worked with a client. She just lost her mum six months ago, and then she just lost her sister at 42 years old. So her sister was too young to go. And she was in such grief. And I covered her head to toe in the Shungite. And we went in and we, you know, I then began to bring her my 15 years of what I have discovered with Shungite. So I feel that I know it's really hard, but our souls, and this will be hard for people to hear because people will disagree. Definitely. Because the teachings that come from the Ascended Realms, they're not easy. They're very hard. And Chung Fu stands for inner truth. But what they bring is, I love you, but your soul chose that. Mm. And you're like, no, I didn't. Like, you can go back to wherever you came from, mate, because I didn't choose that. But it's what comes next. And there's a famous saying, I can't remember who who said it, it's in a book I read, the obstacle is the way. And if you have the courage to go the way of that obstacle and, you know, with your power, shatter and break it and move on, then you're like, oh, okay, now look, I'm not, I'm not there any, I'm not in that place anymore. I've elevated or I've gone deeper or I've gone higher. Or have shifted. So I'm so sorry you went through that, but look at you now, a great lady. And thank you for telling me a bit about your story. Well, thank you for opening that up for me. I wasn't expecting that today at all. And now your um, tears are flowing. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like for you, perhaps it was music that led you on the path to open you up and. For me, it was books. I know after that I was sent away and I was very alone. And Mm. so I went to the library and after a little while I found a section. I was only, so I was only 11 and 12 and I found a section and it was called the New Age section. And this was early 90s, by the way. (laughs) There wasn't many books in there. But I started collecting them and I took them home by secret and I started reading them and, uh, and I started doing the exercises in them. And I think that was where it all started to open up. So, I mean, that's a short version of the story, the longer version of the story. I would love to hear the long version one (laughs) day. I think your your listeners would too, you know, I think they'd all agree with me. Yeah. Love to hear hear the long version one day. So if you can, I mean, you've spoken a little bit about Ascended Master Chung Fu. Um, Are you able to tell us a bit more about how you connected with him? I'm going to play you some music in the background. Don't know if you can hear that. Yep. So this is a Tara charm. 
that I composed around my mum channeling Chung Fu. It's called In the Temple of White Tara, Volume 1. Tara chants with Ascended Master Chung Fu. And myself, Jerome Zaran. Because for me, I always say, in, in the beginning was the word. Well, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. That's what they say. And the word was God. But I have the idea that, of course, before words, it was sound. So for me, when words are put over sound in a lovely way for a special intention to help you open, to help you tune in, this is very special for me like this way of working of putting music over sound and that is how it all started really I began to work with Chong Fu who's been speaking through my mum for nearly half a century so I'll give you a little quick summary I won't do you long story like the other one but, you know, the thing is, guys, if you're all listening to me now, I think you'll agree that you too have struggled in all kinds of ways. So the story with Ascended Master Chung Fu, by the way, I do have to say that he did not give himself that title of Ascended Master. We did. He's very humble. He calls himself an Ascended Being. But that is an Ascended Master. He is a ninth dimensional, ninth ray, ascended being. So how it started back in the day is my mum was married to a man and she was deeply in love, but he was very depressed and he unfortunately took his own life. Um, this was before my mum was channeling Chung Fu. And what happened in the end is that tragedy actually opened up his heart. I just fade the track out there. And what happened is she then opened from that tragedy into such a deep place of trauma and she was very disturbed. Right, he he basically blew himself up on a motorbike. I mean, it, this was no like, I'll just go take my own life stuff. This was really very serious. My mum was like only twenty at the time, right? Just a young a young lady, and then at the time she she began to train. So it was kind of just when that serious stuff happened. It really is very serious. At the time, she was just beginning to train as a psychic with Ivy Northage, who back then was very kind of well-known. She ran a school in London, the School of Psychic Studies. I don't know its exact name, but this was back in the day. Ivy Northage, who channeled her own ascended being, uh, Master Chan, I think. 
don't quote me on that, but I think that was the, her guide's name. And she was helping my mum to bring her gifts forward as a channel, basically. And back then, they used to shove you in the closet. It was quite funny. They'd shove you in a dark closet and they'd say, you know, just let the, you know, just let the, your guide, cut, you know. What happened really, though, is one day my my mum and my dad, who were just friends at the time, um, my dad caught my mum as she collapsed on the ground. She was very unhappy one day, basically. She collapsed on the ground and was like frothing at the mouth. And my dad thought mum's have, my mum's having an epileptic fit or something. But it wasn't that. It was that was when um, Chong Fu came in for the first time. Now, Chong Fu has three names. We call him the old Tibetan, old Chinese. And back then, they called him old Chinese. He came in and he said, beloved, don't worry. Like, in other words, this being came in and started speaking through Sally's mouth while she was frothing, because it was the first time that the being was coming through to speak to my dad and say, have no fear. This was planned way before this life that I was going to come through in this life and bring my teachings. So that's where it started. Many years later, after Sally was giving personal sessions to just private family members, really, bringing the teachings through, the ascended teachings, I then, after years of basically taking the piss out of all this woo-woo, like, who are these weird people coming from all over the world to see you? Like, this is just a bit weird. I was just a lad. I then transitioned to, like, well... I'm kind of curious. And then I said, Mom, can I have a session with this spirit guide? So I then had my first session at 17. And that's when Chung Fu, and of course, Chung Fu's very interesting in how he asks you questions about basically what's not flowing right for you, what's not going your way, what's not helping you become the master of your life. And so naturally, you start saying what all the things that are going wrong, you know, and all the things that you want to go right. And he starts to guide you. And so that led into me finding out that I had incredible spirit guides, uh, a whole entire entourage of different beings. And that's what really opened me up for the first time of working with my mum and Chung Fu. And Chung Fu did tell me some issues and things that happened in points and times in my life which I'd never told anyone about, and that just blew my mind. And now the whole Akasha, or Akashic Records, kind of area of, of study, now I, I completely believe in that because of the way he told me things, secrets, right? Not secrets that I'm ashamed of, but just things that hurt me that I didn't really know how to express or bring forward. And so I was well and truly, you could say, blown open about like what is possible in this, in this world. Like, and the whole like when a being has full Akashic record access, they actually have full Akashic record access and they know about every life you've ever lived every good and bad thing you've ever done and every existence you've had 
across the cosmos, multiverse. So that's extraordinary. But that's where it started. And to cap off that little question, since then I've had hundreds of sessions with Chung Fu. So my mother is extraordinary. And most people don't understand the kind of connection that I have with my mother because it's not really just mother and son. It's way more than that. It's just we're buddies. We just hang out and I'm lucky. All I can say is I'm dead lucky because the kind of stuff my mum's helped me through, I mean, I, I couldn't even, I'd need about a thousand hours or more to tell you. And I don't mind. I'm an open book. I've got nothing to hide. I'm transparent. I tell you straight. But Sally is an extraordinary lady. As I say, she's top three in the world as far as I'm concerned. I agree with my dad, hands down. And then it leads to finish, finish off that question. That connection does lead in to me working with goddess Isis. Or I say Isis. Because her name has actually been taken by that horrible faction, that warmongering militant, whoever the crap they are. So we don't call her Isis. Well, I, I transition because most people only know her as that ancient, ancient Egyptian mother Isis. So I say Isa, Isa, as, as she likes to be called, or, or Isis. But that it does lead into that, and it does lead into me going further and deeper in to devoting my temple musician, musicianship, if you will, and giving that devotion to her, but through me, because goddess is in you. So it's this, it's not about giving your power to an outer source. It's about channeling the power for you first, because that's what we need. We need that light within. We're here to evolve, but then you redirect it out. So it's kind of like up, in, down, penetrate the darkness within, and then out. And that concludes part one of the podcast with Jerome. Part two will be released next week. And Jerome talks about transmediumship, universal divine laws. Jerome opening up his channel for sacred sound, opening up the chakras and developing as a channel manifesting a relationship with Shungite and divine love and getting clear on what you want to manifest, putting it on the crystal grids and taking grounded action. We also talk about the brotherhood and the sisterhood wound, healing for men and Jerome's spiritual work with Priestess Sally, who is Jerome's mum. Thank you for listening. I'm Mel Sienna Magwick, and you've been listening to the Love, Soul, Miracles and Magic podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at The Rose Mother. Thank you so much for listening.